Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and it's a busy time of year for everyone, but especially for the New York Giants. They could actually focus on free agency with some financial flexibility. That begins Monday with the legal tampering period. We're still in the fallout phase of the Daniel Jones contract, Saquon Barkley being franchise tagged. I'm sure the Giants and Saquon would like to come to a deal before next Monday. Uh, And if that happens, then they will get more cap space to use. Saquon Barkley will be on board with a long-term extension, uh, similar to the way Daniel Jones is, uh, certainly not to the price tag that Daniel Jones uh, settled in. So a lot happening in the world of the Giants, and today's guest, a good friend of mine, NFL Network, Mike Garofolo. And Mike Garofolo joins me now. Mike, it's a busy time of year, so I know... Every minute is precious for you, so hope you are doing well, and let's get right into it. Your biggest takeaway from the last three weeks, maybe even the last week or so in Giants land, uh, with all the negotiations that you've seen dating back to your days as a beat writer, uh, where, does this, where does this one rank, and uh, how surprised were you that everybody kind of went silent about an hour and a half before uh, the deadline on Tuesday? Yeah, I think that that was probably the most productive. Now, they're, they're, when I said this to people afterward, they were like, nope, because everything we did, I, well, let me back up. So I said from 2 o'clock to 3.30 is when everybody really went dark. And um, uh, I, I said I knew that that meant everybody was working, right? So I was like, oh, it's probably the most productive time of the whole day. Um, and they said no, because everything was done with 25 minutes to go. So by that point... Um, we hadn't really agreed to anything. So we were working hard at that point, but then it never really happened. Um, and they said that the real blitz, I said, well, at least that hour and a half set up that last 25 minutes. So right. uh, that was my, that was my argument there, but they were really, you know, up until now, listen, what they could have done. And I was saying this as we were 10 minutes to go and everybody was like, Nope, nothing yet. Nothing yet. I'm saying to myself, even if they're at the point where they're not done, but they feel like they're going to get there, they could have then tagged Saquon Barkley and continued to whatever. I mean, they could have done Daniel Jones up until the start of the negotiating window uh, on the 13th or 15th or whatever it is. Um, so I knew I felt pretty good at that point that something was going to get done just because they could still have, have kicked that forward. Um, look, my entire takeaway is um, I thought that this was uh, – I really – 
delicate and interesting negotiation for Joe Shane and, and the new regime because these aren't their guys. They didn't draft them uh, where they did. I don't think they would have drafted them. I, don't think, I mean, I know they wouldn't have taken Saquon Barkley at two. Uh, I don't think Daniel Jones would have been their guy at six. But they inherited these guys who played well, well enough to um, command contracts to hang around here. So they had to get to a point where they were comfortable with a number. And, you know, I, I think we all look at the $40 million per year mark and said that was good for Daniel Jones to get there. It's 41 per year over two years because it's two years, $82 million. Yep. But I think the big thing for the Giants was, well, we've got to get our win somewhere, and their win was in the three-year number because the three-year number goes down to 37 and a half. So depending on how you look at this deal, um, I think you're comfortable because the Giants are saying, well, two years on the franchise tag would have been around $35 million a year. Usually what happens is you give the guy a little bit of a bump above that, which they did. They got the 37 over three. Um, but in the short run, Jones has got to feel good because, you know, I got my 40-plus average over two, and these incentives are, are infinitely reachable. Uh, so he's going to make some more money on top of that just by being an average to good quarterback. Yeah, and I think you made a great point in, in, you know, in the aftermath. I mean, it's just so funny how everything nowadays, I mean, it just speaks to the NFL that, you know, everybody's got to have an opinion. And it's if you think the guy's a good player, if you think he's an average player, if you think he's a bad player, you've got to let everyone know how badly you, you think the deal is or how good a deal is. But you made the point about, you know, look, the bottom line is both sides aren't looking for outs. The, the, or at least the Giants aren't. The Giants hope they, he plays the length of the contract and that at the end of year three, they're sitting it down again and saying, okay, what can we do to tear up this contract and come up with a new one? So he's going to hit these incentives if he is the quarterback they think he, he can be. Um, I, I'm curious from the respect of you know Joe Shane, and I thought this, and I've talked to him about it uh, in press conferences, off to the side, everything else. This really was a tone-setting thing for him as GM. I mean, we saw how he handled things in his first year, and he kind of had to you know, clean up the mess, so to speak, and he was hamstrung with certain things he had to do. This was really a, a tone-setter for him in this regime in terms of how they were going to handle it. The locker room was watching. You know, this was not cutting guys because they everyone knew they had to be cut. I mean, this is dealing with guys who are respected in that locker room. What was the sense for you? I saw you around in Indianapolis, and you're bouncing around, obviously, 32 teams, not just one. But what was your sense in terms of what people thought about uh, Shane and maybe to a lesser extent Dable because, you know, we know the negotiations is really, you know, the the front office. But what what was your take? What was your sense from agents you talked to or even, you know, other regimes in, in the NFL? Yeah, I think that they expected the Giants to kind of hang tight to what they were offering. And they really didn't move much. Um, the, the, the second year number, uh, the two-year number, 82, went up from 80 over the last couple of hours, and they added a half a million over three years. Uh, total to that number. So um, it was, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I remember hearing people say, I know the Giants, I know they're going to hold firm, I know they're not going to overextend, both for Jones and for Barkley. Uh, and I think they were impressed that they were able to get something done and really not be your or, you know, everybody said, oh, that walk away number. Oh, they didn't walk away, they got to 40. Well, again, it depends on how you look at this deal and, and how it's structured. And you mentioned that year at 47.5 million. Um, I think a lot of people say, well, that's, that's a fake year. That's a, 
That's not a fake year. If Daniel Jones plays well enough to be the starting quarterback in year four, he's going to play on that number. Now, at that point, you're probably looking to extend him and do another deal down the yeah. line. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought it was a very manageable and fair number and a deal, uh, fair deal all the way through for, for both sides. So I, I think that some folks are impressed with how Shane was able to handle this. Um, again, it's a, it's a delicate situation because it's a lot easier for Howie Rosen to do a deal for Jalen Hurts because he drafted him, he showed faith in him, and boom, look at this. Hey, uh, not, not, that, not that it's charity and you're just throwing away money. Right. But, you know, hey, I want to I extend this guy. I want to show everybody that, hey, we can sign a quarterback, keep him, and keep rolling with him, and keep building going forward, um, and reward him after everything he's done. You know, it's, it's a lot different when you come in and it's like, well, we don't even feel good enough to give this guy the fifth-year option. And if he plays himself into a deal, which he did, right, then we're good. It's a good problem to have. And, and listen, I think one of the most important things that Joe Shane said during the combine when I asked him about this is that yeah, how much of your talks with Daniel Jones is, uh, you know, hey, uh, we're going to give you this deal because of how you played, but also it's about what we expect going forward. And he said, absolutely. You know, that was the, the, the part where he talked about there's more meat on that bone than even Daniel would tell you. Uh, look, late in the year, you know, they became more of an explosive passing offense. They changed things up a bit, and it was a hint of things that, that were potentially to come. Now, Part of that's going to be what are they going to put together around him uh, from a target standpoint. This is a wide receiver and tight end room that could look really different just in the coming weeks here. Um, and how much is that going to help him all of a sudden show like, okay, uh, this is what I can be going forward. This is why I deserve that deal. I, I had a bunch of people, oh, $40 million for 15 touchdowns? Well, right. yeah, but you pay attention to what they were doing offensively to, I think, rebuild his confidence, number one, make sure he was safe with the football, and doing things that allowed him and the entire offense to be successful as built. That's not the way it's going to look going forward. It's going to be ideally, in their mind, what we saw in both Buffalo and Kansas City, where Mike Kafka and Brian Dable and Shea Tierney have come from, and now all of a sudden in offense you got to be more worried about. The thing that, that the defenses were most worried about this year, honestly, with Daniel Jones was his legs. Uh, I mean, I remember talking to teams who said, you know, you guys are talking about Barkley. We're more worried about the quarterback running. And ideally, that's something that comes off of what he does with his arm and is not the main thing that defenses are worried about going forward. So I think that that was part of the discussions for the Giants with Daniel Jones and, and what they expect from him going forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, one more on Jones and then we get to Barkley. Um, and then obviously if you have time, we could just preview free agency a little bit from a Giants perspective. Uh, how much, you know, there, there's a segment of the fan base that I know you've heard from for years and I hear from that believe John Mara is this meddling owner who, you know, wants to be Jerry Jones and stands in the room and pounds the table and, you know, says this is what it's going to be, Joe. Um, I don't get that sense that John Mara was close to this org- to this negotiation. I got the sense as exactly how Joe Shane described it, that he was in constant contact with ownership, obviously, but that this was Joe Shane driving this bus. This was not John Mara saying, you must hire, uh, you must re-sign Daniel Jones. Did you get that sense? What's your sense in terms of how big of a role ownership played in uh, the Daniel Jones contract that was finalized yeah i i kind of laugh sometimes when i hear about you know meddling owners right because everybody thinks owners have no idea they don't know football so why would they be involved and listen there are plenty of owners who have gotten involved that don't know the game that don't know the business and have screwed things up for their organization uh i think there's actually some i'm thinking about 
some over the years. I'm thinking about some that are still active. Daniel Snyder. Daniel <laughs> Snyder has done it, and it screwed things up. Okay? So, uh, listen, here's the bottom line. John Merritt, this is his business, right? He didn't cut his teeth, you know, selling real estate or, you know, running a mutual fund or whatever. Dan, I don't even remember what Snyder did. I forget. <laughs> you know, John Merritt's been in the business of football for long enough and has done a good job of allowing his football people to do what they do, but also understanding what they do. So, you know, he was involved certainly enough to understand what the heck was going on here. Listen, he, he does deals on a, on an NFL level, right? right? I mean, these are the same kinds of negotiations to a point uh, that teams are doing individually with players, and he's involved in those. He's a lawyer by trade. He's not an idiot, you know? If there's an owner I want involved in this kind of stuff, it's John Mara, right? A guy yeah. who really, I think, has a good sense for the business and a good sense for the game and a good sense for understanding what his football people are telling him. So, yeah, he certainly was involved. Uh, they were uh, they, they did the deal apparently in the tight ends room. That's where they were, uh, <laughs> the building. I don't know why they picked the tight ends room. Uh, but And also, I'll add this, Daniel Jones was apparently sitting next to his agent, at least for a portion of the negotiation. So um, that usually doesn't happen. Players, not, first of all, usually over the phone. Uh, so the fact that the agents flew in was a huge clue to me that this thing was going to get done. They weren't coming all the way in to not get it to to, to, uh, to, to be denied and not get a deal done. Uh, but Jones sitting there, and also by the way, apparently did not speak a bunch, but was listening enough. And when it came time to hey, there's a football thing that I can comment on, he'd kind of interject real quickly, and that would help his side understand. You know, hey, look, here's here's why my stats are you know, lagging in certain areas, and here's why at certain times they've been stronger and why they should be going forward, because a lot of times when you're talking about these contracts, it's about the stats. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the player was involved. I know the ownership was uh, involved as well. And I think everybody did a great job of this, and I, I just – there are other owners in my mind that I think when I hear meddling, because it's got a negative connotation, meddling – uh, I think that they're not helping the situation. I think when John Mara is involved, it's what he should be doing, and I think he does help the situation. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line here for me is that if Brian Dable didn't think he could win with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones wouldn't be the quarterback for the, for the New York Giants. I think that's pretty clear, and I thought it was pretty clear that um, you know Jones was not pushed on the front office the way you know some people would like to say in the past of what they would do. So, I mean, I, I think... They have their guy, they have what they have, and I think we laid it out perfectly as to what to expect over the next couple of years. Let's get to Saquon, obviously. Um, you know, I get the sense, I don't know if you feel the same way, I kind of, you kind of put it out there on Twitter a little bit, that I think by next next Wednesday we're probably talking about a longer-term extension for Saquon Barkley and that he's not going to play on the franchise tag. Uh, to me, it would be short-sighted for him to play on one year, $10 million, when he has an opportunity to, to get a little bit more more guaranteed money. How do you feel on that situation with Saquon? Well, I, well let me let me uh, clarify. I, I know that the Giants would love to get it done sooner, right? But they have until mid-July. So fair, this, fair. Yeah, if if this thing carries forward, um, and you know we're in mid-July and it's okay, we got to beat that deadline now. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if we're in OTAs or mini camp, right and Oh, is Saquon going to show up for minicamp? Um, you know, whatnot. It's, it's, it, there, there are several stops along the way is what I'm saying. So I know the Giants would love to get it done sooner rather than later. Uh, my understanding is that they're, they're in the realm of $13 million. Yep. Uh, 
uh, per season. Um, hang on a second. Rappaport. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, sorry. Um, there's a, there's a, I was waiting on this Chuck Clark trade. This is why, listen, Art, I, it, a lot of times I, I, I say no to this kind of stuff because we're on the phone. And, yes. Uh, but for you, I love to chop it up. So I appreciate right, it, bro. It's better, it's better than when, uh, uh, it's better than when, um, uh, Ian hangs up on people. I won't do that to you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's been done plenty of times before and he's been, he's been, uh, uh, crush for it. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to you. If you got If you got a bounce, you got a bounce. We got to do it later. It's no problem. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. So, so Saquon. Um, yeah, I, I. They're in the realm of 13 per year. Uh, I, I, I. To me, look. To me, they would have loved to have been at 12. Right? We knew that. Saquon is looking at the top of the market at 16. Uh, to me, it's 14. Right? Like that's that's the number for everybody. Okay. You get to 14, it gets done. It's like. <laughs> I told both sides of this at some point during the Daniel Jones negotiation. I'm like, look, put me on a Zoom. I'll have this deal done in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and my right. proposal was roughly how – I said, listen, you know, the tag over two years is 35. You give them a little bit more than that on the average, okay? And you, you get the long-term deal done, and you give them some upside, reachable upside. You know, and, and both sides said the same thing. Oh, we wish it was that easy. And where did the deal come in at the end? Exactly. Where, not, I mean, listen, there's finer details that need to be worked out, but it's like I'm, I'm looking at the Saquon thing. Okay, look, 12 is where they were. 16 is it's like there's that split between the Dalvin Cook number around 12 and McCaffrey at 16. He doesn't deserve 16. He does, shouldn't be shortchanged at 12. So put it at 14 and let's just – Let's just get this thing done, you know? Yeah. So a lot of times it's the deadline that just makes these things happen. That's why I'm telling you, there's different deadlines. Do you want this done before the start of the year? Ideally. Do you want it done once you get an OTAs and minicamp? You want it? Ideally. Do you want it done before July 15th? Definitely. So let, let's see the way it goes. I know Saquon is not necessarily very happy right now, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and I, you know, look, you don't blame him, but it, it is what it is. That's the reality of the position that he plays at this point and, and where they're at. Uh, real quick, uh, you've got free agency coming up next week. Um, if if you had, you know, your GM hat, is there a guy or two that you, you like for the Giants and what they're looking for and, you know, what you've heard from your rumblings out and, and you know, talking to a lot of different people? Yeah, there's a few guys. I heard, who did I hear for them? Um God, it was an edge player, and it surprised me. Um, hold on. I'm going to go through my notes and see if I can find it. I think it was, was it Marcus Davenport? Hmm, interesting. Marcus Davenport. Yeah. Um, they may be in the mix for him, but that may be big money. And, and uh, I also put the Denver Broncos in the mix for him because their head coach used to be the head coach in New Orleans. You may have heard about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Peyton, Peyton, right? Peyton with an A? Is and, that... and drafted Marcus Davenport, yeah. Uh but so that tells me they're in the they're in the they're in the hunt for uh, for some edge help. So look for them in the edge market. Uh, and I think that they're you know they're, listen we know they're looking to upgrade wide receiver, but tight ends as well. I mean Mike Gesicki, the uh, the Jersey guy. Yeah. If they're in the mix for him, I think that's a, uh, a strong possibility for them as well. Do you think that's how teams maybe in a giant situation because the wide receiver is so finicky? I'll use that word for free agency and then in the draft. Who knows what you, what you've got? You know when you get down to twenty five. They add maybe a, a guy like Gesicki at tight end to kind of upgrade the 
the receiving group, you know, now you have Bellinger and Gazicki instead of thinking right off the bat, you know, adding a, you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster or, you know, a Jacoby Myers. I mean, that to me, that doesn't do much to, to really take your room to another level. Yeah, I think you're looking at guys that are really not A-level. I mean, listen, for as much as it didn't work out, right, Kenny Galladay was that guy that you thought was going to be the difference maker in your room, yeah. um, that kind of a guy who can come in and he's got the skill set. I mean, listen, he made that catch against the Eagles. You're like, that's it. Like, that's what it was supposed to be. Like, where was that? Why? Why? <laughs> I think he just got in his, his own head and just never got out, and the opportunity was there. And it's just like, I honestly, as it went along, I'm like, this guy's going to come around. This guy's going to come, and he just never did. And uh, it's it's that's you know the, the guys that we're talking about are not those guys. Juju Smith Schuster is not necessarily making those kinds of plays for you. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I like him. Uh, I, I really be interesting to see uh, to get him in a different system and a different uh, quarterback and a different uh, uh, um, supporting cast. What he could do, um, but like this is not. You're not looking at this. There's no practical Burris in this class, right? You right. know so. Um, I'll be curious to see what these guys wind up doing, and if the Giants are more value shopping in the in the wide receiver market, and maybe saying, "Hey, we'll we'll roll our dice and think we can get a difference maker in the draft as well." Yeah, well, pretty much they gave away uh, eighteen million dollars in cap space last year for for a guy who had uh, you know one touchdown catch in two years. So anything they can get beyond that is a is an upgrade to this group. Listen, Mike Gar- Mike Garofolo, go break some news. Appreciate you giving me some time. We'll run into each other along the way. You got it, pal. Thanks, bud. And that was Mike Garofolo. Obviously, you get breaking news in real time. It was the trade of Chuck Clark from the Ravens to the Jets. I like Chuck Clark coming to the Giants last year to reunite with Wink Martindale. So interesting trade for the Jets. I don't have the details. And obviously, you see uh, in real time, Mike's getting texts. Uh, that's how it works when you're an NFL Network insider, uh, one of the best around. So, uh, you know, he mentions Davenport. That's interesting. I, I'd be surprised if the Giants put uh, big money into the edge, but maybe they see Davenport as somebody who kicks inside more uh, on pass rush downs, might help them up front. Uh, I'm intrigued by the in- inside linebacker spot. I know that's not really grabbing anything in terms of what the Giants uh, might do at that top level nationally. Uh, but I, I, I still would be interested to see if Bobby Wagner becomes an, an opportunity uh, there to bring someone in that really would change the complexion, not just bringing in a guy. Um, I think you also have the route of maybe you take two lesser guys price points for inside linebacker and give Wink Martindale two new guys. They just re-signed Jared Davis. I don't know necessarily if they're looking at Jared as, as somebody who's going to be a frontline player for them, but maybe maybe a uh, you know second level depth guy. Uh, you know, Darren Beavers doesn't come around quick enough uh, at you know from his ACL and you know doesn't have that impact really as a rookie all over again. Uh, for the Giants, so we'll we'll see what happens there. I know there have been names like T.J. Edwards for linebacker, um, Jermaine Pratt. Uh, we'll see if that market develops, and then obviously Tremaine Edmonds is at the top of that market. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Interesting, Mike Gesicki, 
mentioned by Mike. I had heard Gesicki as well. Uh, Gesicki also had a tweet about the Giants uh, about a month ago saying he grew up in Jersey, a Giants fan. So that's an interesting one. You know we'll play that one to death if somehow Gesicki is in the mix with the Giants come free agency. So thanks to Mike for joining me. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of overview of what the last week has been for the Giants and looking forward a little bit to next week. Uh, We'll have shows as warranted next week, uh, depending on what we hear in free agency, what comes down the pike. But just to set the scene, Monday is the beginning of the tampering period. So from Monday till Wednesday, you're going to hear a bunch of rumors. Stick it right right with me at NorthJersey.com. And on our Twitter feed, at Art underscore Stapleton, I'll have everything you need to know. We'll stay on top of everything. We'll get a free agency tracker going on NorthJersey.com. You can follow along. I'll try to have as many legit rumors. Not a rumor that pops up in a forum somewhere, you know, on Reddit that some guy says his neighbor's carpenter heard that Marcus Davenport was in New Jersey meeting with the Giants. Okay, if that happens, maybe I will write it. But we'll see. We'll get to that. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of All In. As always, we'll stay all in for you. You stay all in for us. We'll talk to you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.